Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Peas on a Podcast. We're coming at you right now recording in northern Louisiana. Yep, we're a long ways from Kentucky. I don't know how many hours, but it's a long ways. We are here today with a bunch of special guests, and I have with me Brother Ryland Holden. Hello. Brother Peyton Holden. Hello. Brother Kyle Holden. Hello, hello. Brother John Maxson. Howdy. I almost said Holden. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not it. That's all right. You I'm can just joking. There. He's been Holdenized. <laughs> I'm just joking. Y'all, welcome to the podcast. It's yes, good to be here. The first question is who listens and who don't? Uh, I've listened before. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've listened to several episodes for sure. It's something li- good to listen to. Go ahead. I've listened to several. My favorite one, like you was talking about, was about the Holy Ghost. Brother Kevin Lloyd, that was a great one. So I gave you all a few questions the other day. We're going to go through before we get to the topic of the day. So we're going to start start out a little bit more lighthearted. And if anybody that's listening to this podcast at all, there's been a few things throughout the last year and plus episodes however many we're at at this point, whenever this is released. And there's a lot of different things we have dealt with and talked about, and a lot of things are debatable. There's been a lot of things we've had a lot of feedback on, not just for the podcast, but in person. And so probably the very first thing is a long time ago, Zach made a very subtle comment about how to eat a steak. And now, I mean, it just blew up. I, you wouldn't believe all the people that would not agree with him. And there was there was quite a few that did, but more that did not. So down here in Louisiana is a place where people do know how to eat. I'll say that. I Amen. lost 17 pounds on a diet. And uh, I told Brother Stacy Holden I was going to gain all that back. And it was his fault. And so, and so Louisiana knows how to eat. So how are you supposed to eat a steak? Oh, for sure you got to eat it medium rare. Um, medium unless rare. Unless it's super thick. I always ask, depending on the cut of meat, if it's going to be an extremely thick cut of steak, I'll do medium. But medium rare is definitely the way to go. That's too pink for me even. <laughs> I like medium. Brother Peyton? Absolutely medium rare. If you want to get something that's well done, you might as well go get some beef jerky or something. It's going to chomp on it that long. <laughs> We're going to chomp on it all day. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the best thing is medium. I've had a medium rare before. Somewhere between medium rare and medium is about the best. Um, if it's good and pink in the middle and really juicy, that's that's really the best. It has to be medium. has Man. to be. I know I liked you guys. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I can't, Nobody I can't likes eat well shoe done. leather. <laughs> I, no, I don't even like my burgers well done. I like my burgers to be pink. I mean, uh-uh. We, we're not living in the days of burnt sacrifices anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, a lot of people do eat burnt hamburgers, basically. They're, they have to be well done. I can handle a little bit of pink in a burger. Okay. You cook that flavor out if you don't. Yeah, yeah, you can. So we had another debate, and this kind of innocently came up in an episode, and that was an awesome episode that we did with Brother Seth and Brother Mark. And Brother Seth, of course, everybody knows at least if you're, an, if you're a, a listener – all the time, you know that Brother Seth has handkerchiefs and he irons them and presses them and um, even has them with a little initial on them sometimes. And we, you know, we, I joke around with him all the time. In fact, just recently, and Zach came on here and said that he does as well. So first off, three out of the four of you are preachers, possibly four in the future. Um, 
three out of the four of your preachers, four out of five, including myself, but this ain't about me. Do you use a handkerchief? And if you do, does it have to be iron and pressed or you just take it out of the dryer and throw her in there? So I recently just ordered some on Amazon here a while back just because my face sweats so bad. And so I got tired of always having to take my suits to the cleaners from wiping it on my arms. So I did order some. I don't know. I've never thought about ironing them before. Probably not. <laughs> Nobody's going to see it, so I really probably don't care about that. But. So Brother Peyton said he's not a handkerchief person, so that, that that's up to you, Brother Kyle. Well, I don't um, use handkerchiefs. I probably will in the future. I don't really sweat that bad whenever I'm preaching. Um, You're going to have to get with it more. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> Kick your um, leg up. Move around. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> I don't use them too often, but whenever I do, I'm going to get put on the wrong side of the line on this thing. But I have to iron them. I have to. I cannot. Ha- I cannot stand for the corners to be folded whenever I put it in my pocket. You eat your steak right, but you don't handle a hanky right. Hey, that's just the way it is. <laughs> it's just a hanky. I know it's just a hanky, but I can't stick it in my pocket and the corner be folded over and messing <laughs> with me. Can't do that. Just take it out and just wipe all that sweat and nastiness off. Throw it back in the pocket and keep preaching. <laughs> <laughs> be like the old timers. You can blow your nose on one side. Forget what side it is and wipe your face with the same side. <laughs> That's pretty bad. If I've got like really bad allergies or sinuses, I'll be known to carry two hankies. I'll carry one. I'll leave one on the pulpit for preaching and sweat, and I'll have one in my pocket, and I'll be blowing my nose all through the service. I just can't help it because you don't you don't want to be that guy that you know. Every church is different. Even some churches, the bathrooms up front, they're on the side. You don't want to be that guy where you're getting ready to up, getting ready to get up to preach. You got to blow your nose, <laughs> and you don't want to go to the bathroom because you know they're about to get you up like any second. And the only place to get tissues is at the altar. So you're either making a pit stop to the altar, up to the pulpit, or you're like going up to the altar and everybody thinks you're getting ready to pray for some reason. Then you go right back to your seat with a tissue. So it's just one of those awkward moments. Hey, that's a good idea. We should put up a little one in our new pulpit that we build for. Kleenexes, where the preacher can blow their nose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, or you might get a note. You might get a nosebleed while you're preaching. That'd be pretty rough. I've never got. I get nosebleeds quite often, but I ain't got one while I'm preaching yet. Thirdly, we have talked about one of our segments is name that Odyssey, and so all of you are Odyssey fans, and so I felt it very fitting. What would be your uh, now? I, this is hard. When you say favorite Odyssey episode, I mean I can think of dozens and dozens that are amazing. Mm-hmm. But what is your absolute favorite Odyssey episode? And if you do have your most least favorite episode on top of your head, you can say that too. But if not, don't worry about it. But the most favorite, the best one, the just number one in your mind? Uh, I would have to say any action. I love action. Um, I love the new Odyssey about Olivia. I think that the story writing yeah. on that one is excellent. Uh, it's amazing, and I think that one's good for young people. Very relevant. But yeah, definitely. I, I was, but I'd have to say my favorite Odyssey that I could just listen to over and over is Alvin York. Um, that's a good one. My least favorite is Boswell. <laughs> my kids love that one, and that's been on repeat for months. It seems like years, and so I, I can quote it, and it's absolutely horrible, <laughs> awful. <laughs> my favorite Odysseys would have to be the Novacom series. I just feel like how it keeps you intrigued and all the way to the end, and. My least favorite would probably have to be anything to do with Penny. I cannot stand her voice. <laughs> She's so annoying. You don't like Find a Penny? <laughs> what do you think? You said you like Novacom, so what do you think about the chairman on the very, one of the latest album, on the latest album? Uh, it keeps you intrigued, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you think it's the same guy? 
I don't know. It might be. Absolutely. You I, guess, I guess I'll we'll have to wait and find out. We just played on a previous episode a while back. We played those two voices right next to each other, and they sounded to me the exact same. But it was like 20-some albums later. Well, that's a hard question. There's a lot of different episodes. Um, there's a lot that I don't like. I agree with um, with Rowland on that, in, or um, I think Peyton's the one that said that. Anything to do with Penny, I do not like at so all. You don't, you don't like ditzy women? I don't like Penny. <laughs> well, the reason I don't is because <laughs> trying to get me in trouble there. The reason I don't He's is not because married yet. <laughs> huh? He's not married yet, so he has to be really careful. Yeah. Getting back on subject. The reason <clears throat> What was your phone number? <laughs> and if we have any single female listeners on the podcast. Well, okay, let's get back to su- on the subject. <laughs> Wooten, before, he was, you know, he was crazy, but he wasn't dumb. You know, he wasn't stupid. But Penny is stupid and dumb. <laughs> She's not just crazy. So once they got married, Wooten has become dumb and stupid. He's dumb, so dumbified. So was one of my favorite characters because he was so crazy, that's but he was... Ha- that's harsh. He was a cool person, but it's the truth. There's a lot of little kids listening to this that idolize Wooten. Truth hurts. <laughs> okay. My favorite one probably, um, I do love the Novacom series. That's probably probably my favorite um, overall. Um, but going down to an episode and really at the two-part is a name, not a number. That would probably, oh, yeah. really anything to do with Jason, even though he gets kidnapped in every single episode. That <laughs> <laughs> he's on. But, yeah, I, I really next do time like he'd be like, oh, here it comes again. Seen that coming. And he's known as the number one agent, <laughs> and he's always getting kidnapped, so that's ironic. My favorite Odyssey would be the Alvin York. Um, I've always liked that one. And my least favorite would have to be anything to do with BTV. I just cannot <laughs> stand it. I agree. BTV. Y'all are hard on Bernard. Uh, he's a great guy. What's your favorite character? This ain't one of the questions, but awkward silence. Favorite character, the first or second wit. The third one is pretty rough. Yeah, the second Mr. Wit is Mr. Wit. The second uh, Wit's better to me. My favorite character is Jason, I'd have to say. I always like listening to Bernard. He always had a joke to do with everything. So every one of us sitting here, there's one thing we all have in common is we love food. <laughs> we say that again. We've, yes. all, we've done a lot of eating in the last week and a half that we've been here in Revival, and we've ate at a lot of different restaurants, but... I've had a good number of restaurants in Louisiana, some that are home to this area and then some that are franchised, like Raising Cane's. We love Raising Cane's, but they've got that in Ohio. They do not have a Papa and Company in Ohio. That started in Louisiana, though. Raising Cane's did. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it did. It's pretty cool. But there's one in Ohio, or there's several up north, and they are good. So I had them before I got down here. But now there are some places down here like the Mighty Crab and Papa and Company and Ralph and Cuckoo's, and I don't even—I don't know all of them, but you guys do. So, what is your? What would be your favorite restaurant? Now, this can be home, this can be franchise, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> you talked Louisiana up, and the food is really good here. But I'm gonna have to go out of state for my favorite restaurant, um, and it's called the Outlook. It's in the Pyramid at Memphis and the Bass Pro Shops. It's a restaurant up on the top. Really? It's a steakhouse. Uh, I, I've ate there multiple times. Amazing food. I've never been in there. We So the previous company that I used to work for, we had a business meeting in Nashville every year. And so me and my wife would always go up 
majority of the time we leave our kids behind. So we always stopped in and have a little date night there. You can see over the city, but the food is amazing. I had a steak every time I've been there. I'd have to say it's the top-notch steak I've ever had. Wow. That's pretty cool. I have to go there sometime. Definitely will. My favorite type of food would be Mexican, but if I were to choose just a restaurant, it would probably have to be a steak. And my favorite one in this area would be Silver Star. Um, there's like three or four in this area. It might cost you $100 by the time you're leaving there, but I'd say it's definitely worth it. Which, like he said, there's that's pretty hard for me because it really depends on what I'm in the mood for, um, what, what food I like. You know, whether I like, you know, Mexican food or steak or, you know, whatever you want. But Brother Peyton, he um, he was just talking about Silver Star. That is, I really do like that place. There's three different ones. It's a local um, restaurant here. They have a steakhouse. They have a Mexican restaurant, and they have a barbecue um, place. But that's a really, really good, um, really good restaurant. And also, this may be just recency bias, but there's another local place here called Ernest. Um, I think... All of us but Brother Austin have been there, and I, y'all can agree with me, it's probably one of the best y'all have eaten, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Professional chef that has a restaurant here in town. He's from wow. New Orleans, so he kind of brings that. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I've never had Silver Star either, so that's definitely two places I've never had either <laughs> yeah. one. That's pretty neat. One, one question, though, can I ask you, is Cane's or Zaxby's better? I've only had Zaxby's one time, so I'm going to have to go with Cane's because I've had that I don't know how many times. The only thing I like about Zaxby's better is you have more than one option. You go to Cane's, all you're going to get is just chicken strips. What's kicking? Want some chicken? <laughs> was it Cane's? What about Raising Cane's or Slim Chickens? Um, well, Slim Chickens. Very similar. I like Slim Chickens. And in some places, you'll find them right next door to each other. But the thing about Cane's and Zaxby's, I think everything that Cane's has is better, but Zaxby's just has more choices. Yeah. They got wings at Zaxby's also, so if you're in kids or wives in the mood for chicken and you just are sick and tired of chicken you can get some wings or something else a salad they have a really good salad if you're trying to go healthy are they like beef wings or something (laughs) (laughs) healthy at a fast food restaurant (laughs) i think that's ribs is that what beef wings is uh you just kept saying if you're tired of chicken you can get wings (laughs) if you're tired of chicken strips The Here's same old plain Here's fried some. chicken strips. You can get some sauce on it. Here's some bones with some bread, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. My favorite steak or my favorite food place well, is. We know what he's going to say. My steak. favorite steak <laughs> is uh, Five D Cattle Company. It's about an hour from here, and it is amazing. Whether you want a steak, do they have ribs. beef wings? <laughs> they do have beef wings. <laughs> I think Most somebody should start a fast food with beef wings. That would be a hit. <laughs> yeah, everybody would be really confused. They'd be like, what is this? <laughs> so we said, how do you eat a steak? I'm just going to throw this out here. What kind of steak, though? Ribeye, sirloin. Put a bone in it. <laughs> Put a bone in it. What makes what makes that taste different? It's just the way that it cooks. You get right up next to the bone, you ain't getting no burnt steak. I like All rib-eye. the flavors right there. I had sirloin for years, and then I switched to a ribeye because sirloin was always cheaper. I finally went to a ribeye, and it's really hard to go back to a sirloin after that. Yeah. Well, a flaming yawn, of course, is obviously one of the better cuts. It's the most yeah. expensive like cuts. Three but bites, you- <laughs> and you're like, yeah, can I have like seven more of those? Yeah, but that's the only thing you don't get very much. So I would have to say a ribeye on a good cut of meat. Um, I have had top sirloin that is some of the best steak you've ever had. But it depends on the cut of meat and the the quality of, of the meat. That changes completely on a steak. I mean, you can have a cheap flaming yawn. And then you can go eat, yeah. you know, just something that's a, the top cut. It don't matter what 
cut it is, it's just amazing. So I've only ate at two of them. But I'll tell you, the Brazilian Steakhouse in Pigeon Forge, which up north is where a lot of our people go, is El Gacho Urbano or something, whatever it's called, right there on the strip. I'm telling you, some of the best steak you ever eat in your life. It's unbelievable. Of course, they give it to you in little portions, but you can get as much as you want. Yeah, that's awesome. I love Brazilian Steakhouse. So we're in Louisiana. What's the best thing about Louisiana? Oh, for sure the food. For sure the food. Um, it's a it's a different twist on food here. Um it's kind of a seafood, more Cajun style. There's a lot of spices. Uh, real quick story. When me and my wife got married, she's from Oklahoma, uh, <clears throat> went to the cabinet, I don't know, a couple weeks after being married, opened it up, and there was salt, pepper, and one other seasoning. And I said, uh, I was cooking something, and I said, where's the seasonings at? She said, they're in the cabinet. I said, um, no, the rest of the seasonings. Oh, we don't cook with nothing else. I was like, no, 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 no. we got to get some more seasonings. <laughs> You're going to have to go. go down to Walmart and go get you some Slap Your Mama slap and bring your it home. Mama. <laughs> some Slap Your Mama or Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> I was going to say, last year in Revival, it was, slap, or it was Slap Your Mama. This year in Revival, there was like, hey, try this, and it was Who's Your Daddy? I was like, what's next year's going to be? <laughs> Yeah, Kill your sister? <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got to have some spice to it here. Um, but the number one favorite thing about Louisiana is definitely crawfish. During crawfish oh, season, we wear it out. It's it's amazing. We try to give it to the preachers during the season when it's here. Just so happened this time revival was out of season. So Yeah, I told your pastor we're going to have to reschedule, but <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> to the audience, Brother Ryland can cook some mean crawfish. I guess I can repeat kind of what he was saying. I was going to say my favorite thing about what Louisiana would have to be the seafood. When crawfish season comes around, you know, you just can't get enough of it. But definitely the food in Louisiana would be my number one favorite thing, I guess. Uh, maybe the weather is is maybe the best. No, I'm just <laughs> it's super hot. <I'm> <laughs> Not last time I was here, it wasn't. First ice storm in 30 years. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. But yeah, where's the salt? Where's the trucks? Oh, I don't know. We've never had them before. <laughs> you came on here expecting to get some nice sunny weather, and we got about 12 inches of snow. <laughs> yeah. I would have to echo them. My favorite thing about um, Louisiana, really the best thing about Louisiana is the food. I'll, I'll tell a story real quick about that as well. I was, um, I was in Branson, and we was at Silver Dollar City, and um, Joseph Havadank was singing. And whenever we was done, we went up there, and he was saying, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. He said, oh, I was there, you know, last year. He said, that place has some of the best food. <laughs> so really, everybody, you talk to anybody, and they, whenever they talk about Louisiana, it's, it's about the Cajun food. So really, was that story about the food, or was that like, hey, I met Joseph Haberdank? <laughs> oh, I met Joseph Haberdank. <laughs> you probably don't even remember who I am. But, <laughs> Definitely not. But, yeah, the food is, is really, um, really good. Um, all the food here really is just it's got a cajun seasoning like like he was saying yeah um and that's really why i like the food well you said favorite thing about louisiana you're a texas boy the only thing i like about louisiana is the food (laughs) (laughs) that is the only thing i I was trying to think of the best thing but the only thing was the food not sister kaylin or (laughs) she was not from louisiana (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i guess you all are originally from arkansas if you want to they are (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 30 miles across the line, yeah. Yeah, we are very close to Arkansas. Louisiana has amazing food. And I'll tell you, the Cajun seasoning, I like it. We was at, we was at your mom and dad's and in-laws the other day. 
and there was some who's your daddy on the table and that's why i said where's slap your mama at and they was like oh we we upgraded so i tried it all over my rice and stuff and it's good i like trying new stuff see back home in kentucky if we're going to get seafood, more than likely we're going to go to Captain D's, Lawn John Silver's, oh or, Red, oh, or uh, Red Lobster. That's like going to McDonald's versus a gourmet burger. Yeah, occasionally you'll have the guy that goes and catches his own fish and makes it and stuff. But we just don't have the seafood places down like y'all do down here. You type in seafood on Google, I mean, it's just wherever you want to go. Yeah. But that's pretty amazing. So what would be your favorite dish? Can you even nail it down to one? A seafood dish? Yeah, just around or just any dish. Uh, steak be. for sure is the, my favorite. But if if you want to say a Louisiana dish, um, yeah, something different than the, the norm. Crawfish étouffée. That's amazing. Yeah, did I take your? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> is that the tails? It is. It is the tails over. It's like got a gravy and rice, and it, people fix it different ways. There's multiple mm. ways to fix it, but it it's very good. Or any type of pasta is mixed in with shrimp or crawfish as well. If you've never had crawfish, I had it for the first time last year. It's very similar to shrimp. It just is a little bit more work. I'll say my favorite would either be jambalaya or gumbo. I love both of them so much. We had some good gumbo at Ralph and Kikuzi the other day. Had a good taste. Yeah, we did. It was good. Crawfish etouffee, like he was saying, is is one of the best. Um, Ernest the other day, I don't know what the dish was called, but that's that was probably my favorite dish, and that's why I say that was one of the best restaurants I've been at. And it had, it had crab meat in it. It had shrimp in it. It had crawfish in it. It had strips of chicken in it, and it was really good. But that would probably be my favorite dish. Man. I can't remember the name of it, but I will how, probably how be back to they eat open. It. <laughs> what time is it? They open at four. There's always tomorrow. Oh, it's nine forty-six. They probably close at ten. <laughs> oh well. As far as the Louisiana food, I love some boudin. That stuff right there is amazing. That's a good one. Whether it's fried or boiled or whatever. what? It's boudin. Boudin. It's, it's, yeah, you got to put the Cajun accent in it. Boudin. But it's like some rice and meat, and oh, it's cooked together. Way. And you, you don't really want to know how it's cooked. But anyways, <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> one of them deals, huh? Yeah. <laughs> a boudin ball, it's like it's rice and meat, and it's battered, and it's deep fried is what a boudin ball is. Um, hmm. So it's really crispy when you have bite I into that? it. I don't think you have. I'll bring some to you tomorrow. <laughs> well... Anyways, <laughs> pretty good. So the topic for today comes from the fact that we just ended a revival meeting here. And so the topic that's been on my mind is, you guessed it, revival. What is revival? Is it a series of services? Is it just uh, five or six nights? Is that what revival is? What exactly is revival? How can we have revival? Should we need revival all the time? We put it on top of all of our flyers, come to our revival meeting. But what is it? What truly is revival? And my mind automatically goes back to Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, this text here that most of us know, no doubt, 
as what many have deemed the recipe for revival. Despite what the world adds or takes away, it's still the same recipe. The ingredients are to this recipe humbleness, prayer, and repentance. The result is God will hear your prayers, He'll forgive your sin, and He will heal your land. So revival, let's look right before we get to this, look at the word revival. It is the word we use for our meetings on our flyers, but the meaning of it, it means restoration to life. It means an awakening. What is revival? Look at that prefix of re. It means to do again. And vival means life, so to have life again. So to have life again means that that life had to be lost. And so in need of revival is technically a direct admittance to God that there are things in your walk with God that are dead and need a spiritual awakening that need revived. So we're going to go and we're going to talk about revival with these brothers here. And so my personal opinion as I start, and this is my opinion, I wrote this definition myself. Revival in its definition is to come back alive. But revival, speaking of the Christian perspective, in my opinion, is when the church and the individual strives to excel with God like never before and to make alive any deadness in their Christian walk. So, Brother John Maxson, what do you think revival is? Well, I love this uh, topic here, and I've been thinking about this topic, obviously, for a couple weeks now because we've been gearing up and getting ready for revival. Um, but I read something one time. It says, A true revival means nothing less than a revelation, casting out the spirit of worldliness, and making God's love triumphant in our heart. I feel that's, that, that, that is so true um, when we're preparing for revival, whether it's before the revival or during the revival. I know in my own heart I, I've prayed for this revival. Lord, if there's anything that's dead in me that needs to be alive, revive it. And if there's anything in me in this uh, meeting that, that you deal with my heart, Lord, I want to be able to uh, fix that and, and, and get everything right with you as far as you know, lining up to what, what you would have us to do. To me, that's what a revival really is for, a, a chance to um, realign ourselves with Christ and, and get back to maybe the basics of some things. Because, I mean, we all know when we're living life, um, Things can come in our way, so to speak. They can get in our walk with the Lord, and that's a time of revival. It's not just the the series of meetings, um, but it's just a time of every single night coming into church and and having that closeness with the Lord um, that brings revival. So revival to me is, as you said before, the definition. You know, bringing back to life or to bring back to life. Um, speaking of that, you know, what are we wanting to bring back to life? You know, are we wanting to bring the shout back to life? Are we wanting to bring, you know, the dance back to life? Running around the, the church, you know, we talk about, you know, running the pews. What, what are we wanting to bring back to life? Are we wanting to bring back to life sinners being saved? Are we wanting to bring to, back to life people being filled with the Holy Ghost? Whenever we talk about revival, what exactly are we wanting to come back to life? I read another definition of revival as well was a comeback. So 
a comeback or, or, a, or to bring back to life, what are we wanting? What does that look like? And so to me, whenever you was reading the, introdu um, the introduction there, Second Chronicles 7 and 14, this has been on my mind, and I put this in my notes probably three, four weeks ago. Um, this, this verse right here, you know, the Lord was just working with me on these verses right here. And I'll read it again. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So we find right here, God is speaking to his people. They are going down a, a path of destruction. And he has told them what will happen if they hit, continue down that path. But he's, he, he um, begins with this verse right here, if my people. And the four things right here he tells to his people, humble, pray, seek, turn. But we find at the end, God says, then will I hear, will forgive, will heal. So we see that God has already fixed his position. He has already determined what he is going to do. He said what he's going to do. He's fixed his hand and he has put the court, he's put the ball in our hands, so to speak. And whatever we do will determine what he does. So we know what he is going to do. If we don't um, humble ourselves, if we don't pray, if we don't seek his face, if we don't turn from our wicked ways, we already know the judgment that he said he would bring. But if we do, we do know what he said he would do here. He said he will hear, he will forgive, and he will heal. And so I believe, as he was saying, that is the recipe for revival. And really, re don't, don't um, hear what I'm not saying. Revival doesn't hinge so much on God as it does on us because God wants to give us revival. That's his heart's desire is, is for us to, to yeah. be back to life again. You have to be ready to receive the revival. Yes, and you do, and, it, and it's the free will in us. That's the free will that he has given us is it's our choice whether we are, you know, brought back to life. It's through Christ, you know, he is the life in us. But it's our choice whether we um, turn to him and, as you were saying, repent and try to, and to kill any deadness that is in us. <clears throat> and so really, if we want to go to, um, to the, to the, to the um, New Testament, Acts chapter 1 right here, um, Christ was speaking to his disciples before he left the earth, and he said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So really, whenever we're talking about bringing back to life or a comeback, what is that bringing back to life? To me, it is bringing back to the foundation of what the church is. And we find right there in Acts chapter 2, that is the birth that us Pentecostals say the, the church was founded there. And what I read right here in Second Chronicles, I read in, in Acts chapter 2, that you know, they were all in one accord in one place. And so it was unity. Whenever we all get together in unity, whenever we turn from our wicked ways, and as you said, kill any deadness in us, that is bringing back to life whenever we get back to the basics, to the foundation that Christianity was started on, and turning back to Christ, witnessing. We find right here what they was preaching. They preached Jesus Christ, um, he, he died, he was buried, he re resurrected. And all of the rest is built upon the resurrection of Christ. Right. And after that, he said, go and tarry and be filled with the, with the Holy Ghost. And so that's what it was. And so to me, revival is whenever we get back to what Christ, his, his vision was for the church. And that was to preach the resurrection 
and it was to be filled with the Spirit because whenever he left, he is working through the Holy Ghost on this earth. And so if we do not have the Holy Ghost, we cannot truly be effective in any area of our life for the Lord. And so a revival to me is getting back to the basics there. And the basics is doing what Christ said, serving him, getting truly saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. What is revival? Robert Coleman said, it's the awakening or quickening of God's people to the true nature and purpose, to revive. Um, I wrote down a few things here of what I personally thought revival is. Um, revival is God mending the heart, healing the wounded spirit. Revival is when God truly has his way, his desire, and his plan for his people. Revival is when men are drawn to the church, not by the glamour and fancy programs, but by conviction, are truly converted by the drawing of the Spirit. As said before, in order for these things to happen, we have to be humble. Um, no man can be full of himself and full of the Spirit. We have to be humble in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Um, Leonard Ravenhill once wrote, the only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. It all comes down to what are we willing to do for God? What are we willing to sacrifice for a revival in our lives? God's got it for us if we're willing to give ourselves away to Him. What is revival? He went through the definition earlier, uh, but I'll read another definition that I had wrote down. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. Some synonyms to revival is resurgence and renewal. The definition of renewal is an instance of resuming an activity or state after an interruption. So sometimes, um, I was raised on the evangelistic field up until I was six years old, so I was in a lot of meetings kind of like your kids are. And so I've, seen, I've been in a lot of revivals, seen a lot of different things. And the renewal right here, I think, is what a lot of the uh, people that, in the holiness movement where they are and why we need revival is an instance of resuming an activity or state after an interruption. What well, we know what we need to do as Pentecostal holiness people to have revival. You talked about the recipe for revival. I, I would go in as far as to say 90, 95, maybe 99% of people that go to church know what revival is. They know how to have revival. We know what to do to get revival. But there's been an interruption to keep us from having revival. Whether that's you fill in the blank. Life can happen. Um, should we need revival at all times? You asked that question earlier. No, I don't believe so. But so many times we find ourselves in the place that we always need revival. We're needing that renewal. We're needing that relationship renewed. Maybe it's not exactly what it used to be when we first got saved. You see people when they first get saved, they're excited about it. They tell everybody that they know, hey, I got saved. And over time, they quit doing that. So maybe we need to get renewed back to our first love, as the Bible says. Um, look at the children of Israel in the Bible. It was ups and downs. Yeah. There, there's ebbs and flows. There's multiple seasons of life. We got busy seasons, holiday seasons. There's so many things that just happen. If we lived in a perfect world, then you could say, hey, you know, I could go to church every night. But we, we, don't, we can't live. We can't go on vacation 365 days out of the year. So it's impossible. We can't go to church every single night. We have life. We have duties. We have jobs. We have things that we have to go to and things that we have to attend. And so many times I think we put that 
in front of God. Right. Put that in front of our prayer life. Put that in front of reading our Bible. Put that in front of going out in visitation, going out and doing these things that we know revival is. And so many times we get so caught up in just the day-to-day things of life that, no, we shouldn't always need revival. But there are seasons where we have to come back and we have to renew that relationship with God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I, I should have been doing this and I should have been doing that. I'm not talking about backsliding. I'm not talking about people that don't love God anymore. I'm just talking about sometimes that's why churches need revival. Well, people get saved and set on fire. And then how many times do you see it? That fire has dwindled down to just a few embers and the ashes over a 30-year yeah. walk with God. And you're like, wait a second. You should never lose your fire with God. Yeah. As one, I, I was listening to one dear sister uh, a while back on Mixler, and she said, "You don't get too old; you just get too cold." And she was, I mean, she was. She's got, you know, she's an older lady. I don't, I don't want to get in trouble, wow, but um, she's an older lady. And I thought, you know what? I've seen some older folks, and I'm not being harsh on them. I'm just saying I've seen some older folks. And I know some are sickly and they hurt, but I've seen some older folks that really get in and worship God the best way they can. And that's really the truth. You do, you don't have to be cold. You can go right out of this world 100 years old on fire for God if you want to. Yeah, I believe that. And that, that perfectly goes into what I was going to say lastly, and I'll get out of the way here. Um, as a child, I was I had the privilege to go to a blacksmith shop and watch them work with iron. And I thought about that story when you'd asked us to come into the podcast and talk about revival. When I think about revival, I think about fire. I don't know. That's just what pops into my head. Right. Um, being on fire for God. Uh, my dad is a Holy Ghost preacher. That, that's kind of his ministry. He preaches about the Holy Ghost as much as anything else. So I think about fire. <clears throat> and going into the blacksmith shop, they deal with iron, but they got to heat the iron up. they got to heat it up in a fire. And so it's constantly got to be in that fire to be heated up. And when they pull it out, once they have it molded how they need to, they immediately put it down into the water. And it's almost an immediate of just bringing it back down to room temperature, or even colder than room temperature, almost immediately when they dip that into the water. So kind of to tie it all back in, what I was talking about, when we get that fire of the Lord, when we pray, when we come to church and we get that revival in our heart, we have to go back out into the world. We have to occupy until He comes. We have to go on our jobs. We have to do this. We have to provide for our family. We have to go to Walmart. We have to do these things. So we're going back out into the world. And when we go back out into the world, it's like that sprinkle of the water begins to get cast onto our iron, so to speak, into our spiritual life, and it's just bringing us back down. It's just bringing us back down, cooling us back off. And so we've constantly got to be connected to the fire if we're going to have revival. That's what it takes is you've got to be full of the Holy Ghost, full of that fire in your life. And so <clears throat> I believe that's why that a lot of times you see churches and, and individual people that's not on fire, not full of God and not, not where they need to be is because they're, they're too busy with everything else and they've got cold. And maybe not necessarily the water. You just take that iron out and just set it over there on the shelf and don't hold it up against the fire. It's going to cool off naturally. So we've constantly got to have a connection with the fire on a daily basis. I was reading uh, an old preacher in a book a while back, and he said, I was reading about revival, he said, the devil has vaccinated many Christians with the needle of apathy, the lack of emotion, the lack of feelings, interest to concern, not caring for the church, not caring to have a fire, not caring to have revival, just to literally be an icicle on the pew, just to kind of fade away. 
just to just to fall into the ashes. And the fact is, the fact of the matter is that we want the blessing of revival. When we have a revival meeting in Sunday morning through Friday is very common, or Sunday night through Friday, we want the blessing of that revival. We want God to touch us and move on us. Even as an evangelist, I want I want God to move on me and touch on me and touch my kids. See my little six year old daughter up here praying. I felt the Lord praying with her. You know, I want God to move. But are we prepared to assume assume the burden of revival? Are we prepared to make those steps to get ready for revival? Are we doing extra fasting and extra prayer and extra Bible reading and making sure in preparation for a, for a period of time before that meeting? Or are we just jumping in on Sunday like, woo, we're going to have revival this week? One more thing that I didn't say is I think it boils down to the reason that we don't live in revival is selfishness. We know what we need to do, but we're selfish. You, Everybody yeah. can admit that. And, and you may not realize that. And I didn't realize it as much until I got married. You have to be selfless you have to, to be live selfless. for God. Yeah, I didn't realize it as much, but by nature, every single one of us are selfish. It's just yeah. the way we are. And I got married, and I realized, hey, there's two people becoming one. I can't be selfish. I realized it more after I had the first kid, even more after the second and third. You know how it is. And we're, by nature, we're selfish people. We want what we want. We want what we want right now. We want to do what's going to benefit us. And it doesn't benefit. It doesn't benefit our flesh. Now, it benefits us. Don't misunderstand me. It doesn't benefit our flesh to get down and pray for two and three and four hours. That's hard to do. Yeah. And so we're so selfish. It's it's so much easier to go over there and sit on the couch than it is to go do this. It's so much easier to eat three or four or five meals instead of pushing the plate back. And so I think it boils down to selfishness is why we don't live in revival. And for us five, push, pushing the plate back means we want <laughs> revival. I was talking to uh, – and. I'm going to open this back up here. I was talking to a preacher um, sometime, maybe this year or last year, about revival. And this struck me. He's he's an older minister, and so he remembers you know, the two-week revivals, the three-week revivals, the seven, eight-week revivals. And he said that we would start a planting season back when everybody farmed. He said we would start a planting season. He said and we'd still be in the same meeting and harvesting season. He said one preacher get wore out, and we'd switch him out for another one. And this is what he said, and as an evangelist, I've, I found this, and I, I want to be careful, but in, in this day and hour, a lot of the times it's true, and I think we could all agree we're, we're in a last days, we're in a, we're in a bad hour. And uh, they worked all day in church all night, working church, working church, working church. Oh, the meetings they had when all they did, no phones, no tablets and video games and everything to occupy your mind, and I think we're just about all guilty of that, working church. But this is what he said. He said, our church stayed in revival, which is life. He said, we didn't really need revival. He said, we lived in revival. He said, for years and years and years, somebody get healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, marriage put back together, saved. He said, on a normal Wednesday night, he said, we lived in revival. We lived in camp meeting. He said, the only reason we had a revival meeting is so sinners could come in on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. He said, but now... All these decades later, he said, now we have revival just to get our church back in shape. And how many times does a church have a one-week revival and they get the breakthrough that they've been praying for for months or years on Thursday or Friday night and they really needed a couple more weeks to really get back to what they used to have, but it's over. Well, as you were saying there, there's one thing that I um, – <clears throat> 
had forgotten to say whenever I was um, going through this earlier. There's a quote I was wanting to say, Leonard Ravenhill. I forgot who had said it, but he said in his book, uh, While Revival Tarries, there was a quote, Revival is an experience in the church. Evangelism is an expression of the church. So what kind of what I was trying to explain was my definition of revival is whenever the church gets revived, their expression will be Christ and it'll, it'll draw others. And so revival is an, is an experience in the church. And so when we experience revival, our expression will be evangelism. And so like what we're bringing back to life is that right there, going back to Christ. And there was one more thing about the Welsh revival I know, I know we know this, um, a lot of us know the story about the people praying and different things, but the person that God used, Evan Roberts, whenever he went, you, his prayer was, God, bend me. And that was the one that God used to bring the revival. And he prayed that, God, bend me. You know, whenever I, whenever I um, heard that story of him saying that, that was him crucifying himself and saying, Lord, whatever it takes for revival, just use me, bend me to your will. And, you know, that's really what will bring revival is whenever we say, Lord, bend me. We live in such a convenient season now in, in our generation. Everything um, that we want, we want it now. I mean, we can just at the click of a button, we can have just about anything that we want. Um, but looking back at uh, different ones, in older times, they, they paid a price. They paid, paid a premium price for a great revival. And we can't come in and act like this is the local retail store and pay a discounted price for the same product. We pay a discounted price, we're going to get a discounted product uh, whenever we come to the house of God. We, we have to pay the full price. And you say, well, they had, you know, uh, they didn't have all the things going that we have today. Well, you might be right, but they still had a price to pay. I mean, they had th their work and things that they had to do. It, it involved a lot of uh, yeah. manual labor. It's the same power, so it requires right. the same price. Exactly. And th they had a big price to pay even in their day. And we're going to have to be willing to pay that same price if we want to see revival like they've seen in their day. The question was asked, do we need revival? I would say that revival is a place where men of God should always be. If in order for you to need revival, that means you're living below your standards. Vince Havner said, Most church members live so far below the standard, you'd have to backslide to be in fellowship with them. Wow. I don't believe it's God's will for His people to live below the privileges that He's given us. I think we should always stay in that state of revival, reviving, basically meaning that we are staying alive. That's exactly right. You said Vance Havner, and the quote comes to me where he's, and I, I'm paraphrasing here, but Vance Havner talks in many of his books, and he said, in one of his books, he said, if we had a daily revival, we wouldn't need an occasional revival. You really understand the magnitude of that sentence right there. If we would have a daily life with God, you wouldn't need life again, occasionally. And then he said this statement that really just will blow your mind. He said, we ought to never need revival. What? Wow. We ought to never need revival. So you listen to the magnitude of that. He said, we ought to live in revival. We ought to not need life again. We should always stay in life. Now, I think almost any Christian would say, yeah, I had to get the fire again. 
you know, there are those, I think we all agree, that say, I needed to get the refilling of the Holy Ghost again, but to get refilled means something had to be empty. We should always be full of the Holy Ghost. We should always be full of life. And revival comes, if you need revival, get revival and stay in revival. If you need refill to the Holy Ghost, get refilled to the Holy Ghost and stay full of the Holy Ghost. But to have revival, it comes with repentance. History proves. You look up the Cane Ridge Revival, the Welsh Revival. You look up any major revival. Repentance brings revival. You look up the Cane Ridge Revival in Kentucky when those rough, lawless men took all their sin and worldliness and slapped it on the altar and they destroyed it and burned it. That brought revival. In fact, I was reading the other day of Cane Ridge saying it was one of the best meetings this country's ever seen. Repentance brought revival. Worship brings revival. Prayer brings revival. Reading your Bible brings revival. And ultimately, that means you got to have God number one in revival. Now, I'm going to say this right here, and this will open us up for maybe one more discussion before we get off here. One of the biggest roadblocks to revival is pride. I, if God's here, the pastor's scheduled the meeting, Whoever's preaching it's here. All of that's ready. Then why are, why are you not getting a move of God in your life? It's nobody else's fault but our own. If you're in a meeting from Sunday to Friday and you walk away the same way you came into that meeting, it's nobody's fault but our own. Our own pride. I believe pride and selfishness is first cousins. I really do. I believe the more selfish you are, the yeah. more pride you'll have. Uh, but yeah, that is so true. Uh, especially in today's church, if you go down to the altar, somebody's you say, oh, what are they going to say? I wonder what oh, they did. Oh, what was they living in? What did they do? Oh, what, what sin did they commit this week? When all oh. they may need is just a refilling. Yeah, just help. And it's so many times, I, I don't. only God knows the percentage, but so many times a preacher's preaching directly to somebody and through pride, and selfishness, and, and all of that wrapped in together, they're going to hold back and go up with the congregation. Yeah, and I truly, it's just my personal opinion, um, if the preacher is calling for someone to come up, singling someone out, and they don't go up, I don't believe Be they're going to get the you, help. It's almost useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because in today's hour, right now, as we're recording this, eight times out of ten, when you say, come on, come on, step out of there. You know it's you. You know I'm talking to you. Nobody comes out. <laughs> and you're just up there and your wife's like, give an altar. <laughs> because nobody will come out. Why? Because of pride. Yeah. Everybody's saved. Everybody's full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody's ready to go. Everybody's good to go. We didn't even need revival. You know that's not the case. That's so true. And probably 80% of the congregation is needed to step out. In some, some instances when you're talking about getting refilled. God's waiting on you. So we, we all agree that whenever we get saved, we have to go to the Lord and accept it. We have to take responsibility and say, Lord, it's me. You know, I'm the problem. Will you save me? So if we need revival, you know, it, we're dead in our trespasses and sins before we were saved. So we have to turn to Christ for life. So why isn't, the, why isn't it the same whenever we need revival, whenever we need to bring to life again, we need to come back? You know, we have to take responsibility and say, Lord, it's me, and turn, turn to Christ for life again. I think one of the biggest tricks of the devil in this day and age is keeping us so busy. 
Uh, I mean, you look everywhere. There's something that's going to entertain your time. From your phone uh, to anywhere else you want. Just start with the phone, anything. You, you can go to the, the Weather Channel and spend 10 minutes if you want to. Um, you know, not even talking about things that are even bad, just talking yeah. about things that we do in our day-to-day life. We live in a microwave world, 80-mile-an-hour speed, speed limits, and fast food restaurants. And we live in this world where it's just busy, 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 go, 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 go. And it seems like we don't have time for anything. And that's, that's where the devil wants us to be at. Because as someone said earlier, you have to pay that price if you're going to have revival. Right. So with the entertainment as big as what it is nowadays between games and, and, and different things, um, YouTube, if you're going to you know fix something on your truck, you're going to watch a 15-minute video. Just, there's Anywhere you look, there's so much just to take up our time. And if we're going to go back to revival, we've got to humble ourselves down, not have pride, and we've got to get back to the place where I have time for revival. So one of the main questions here as we close for the seventh time (laughs) as preachers do what do i need to do if you're listening to this and you're like well okay that's all good talk but what do i need to do for revival me personally my church my youth group where do i even start well and it may sound like i'm being repetitive but again the recipe for revival that i think is that second chronicles you know he said if my people and the first thing that he talks about there is humble you know, humble themselves. Pride, you know, we've talked about that. That's the number one, I be- number one thing I believe because it takes humbleness. It takes us, we have to get away from the pride in ourselves to pray and to seek God's face and to turn from our wicked ways. We have to, that, that takes taking away from ourselves. That takes killing our flesh. We have to humble ourselves and do that. And so I've said it before, pride is one of the quickest things that you know can lose the anointing or that will bring you down as the bible says pride becometh cometh before a fall you know so that is one of the things and you may say well that sounds good but you didn't answer my question how can i have revival for myself you know and i'll try to hurry up with this but um what i believe is whenever we go to god and say god i can't do this on my own i can't have revival on my own you know we've tried we've tried to shout revival down We've tried to run it down. We've tried to scream it down. Yeah. But until we turn to God and say, God, you are the one that's going to give us revival. You are the one that's going to give us revival and humble ourselves and admit, without you, we are nothing. And so what we can do individually, because I can't make anybody else serve the Lord. I can't make anybody else want more of the Lord for themselves. So really, revival boils down to what, what do we need to do? We need to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I can't do this without you. Would you give me revival? And, and I want to go back again what Evan Roberts prayed. Lord, bend me. Revival starts with me. And to me, that is what revival is, and that's how you can have revival. So let's not talk about revival. Let's just not think about it, talk about it, wonder about it. Let's do it. And then once you have revival, live in revival. Amen. The recipe has never changed. Well, we thank everybody for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for letting us be on. Thank you. It's good to be it's here. It's been good. Peace out, everybody. Peace out. Bye-bye. When this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done.